0: Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a regular listener, I appreciate you. Welcome back. So today's guest is... Has a profession that I haven't really spoken to before. You know, um, spoken to a lot of people, a lot of different professionals, but I had yet to speak to a lawyer. And this was a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for you guys because we got into some really cool things. We got to peek behind the curtain of what it's like for a real lawyer in New York City. And for me, that's exciting. And I know the cliche thing of, Suits. Of course, I had to ask her about suits. I know she gets asked a million times, but <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. We connected. It was awesome. So my next guest, her name is Jackie Harounian. She has twice been recognized as a top 50 woman lawyer in the state of New York by super lawyers. She is a leading family law and, and divorce attorney and is well known for speaking and writing about her various roles as a peacemaker, educator, and relationship experts. Her experience in encompassing over 20 years as a trial attorney, mediator, and victims advocate includes expertise in many different cases involving domestic violence, mental health issues, personality disorders, fertility rights, substance uh, substance addiction, religious divorce, all kinds of different stuff. So she's she knows this stuff inside and out. And I learned a lot and we had a great conversation. So And, and that's the thing is like, I don't get to talk to lawyers very often. You know, I don't, I haven't had any on and, and they live a pretty, they see some pretty interesting stuff and some have some pretty interesting conversations and they deal with some serious, serious things as well. Right. And especially being in New York city, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a crazy city. I've never been there, but to work there and to be involved in in the middle of that must be something else. So again, uh, me and Jackie had a great conversation, and I'm really excited to share this with you guys. So, sit back, enjoy Jackie Harounian coming right up. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Lance.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, you have a very interesting career. You have you've a lot of experience in a lot of different areas, and I'm really excited to kind of unpack all that and, and hear your angle from from all these different things. But first, I would love to just, for maybe for people listening, give us a little bit of background about yourself. You know, Maybe tell us where, you know, how all this started and kind of let's fill the gaps of how to, where, where we got today.
1: Sure, of course. So first of all, um, I have done a couple of podcasts and uh, the title of your podcast, "The University of, of Adversity, really caught me because uh, really that's sort of my practice area is adversity and how people overcome challenges. And of course, all of us, by the time you reach midlife, which I have, you've encountered your own challenges. And so uh, it's definitely something I love to talk about. Um, so uh, I live in New York. I've been married for almost 30 years and my husband and I have four children ranging in age from 15 through 28. And uh, I can speak on a separate podcast about how challenging it is to be a parent, how much parenting has changed over the past 10, 15 years because of technology and so many other things. But also personally, I can talk about um, how challenging it is to be married, to have a two, working, uh, two working parents in a household and all of the compromises and challenges that come with raising children. Um, when time is short and patience is thin and you're just trying to get it all done and then go on the next day and do it again. Yeah. Uh, pro- professionally, I'm a partner in a very, very successful, not good, high volume uh, family law practice in New York, uh, just outside Manhattan in Great Neck on Long Island. And I have a wonderful, um, uh, you know, wonderful colleagues in my firm where I've been uh, for almost 25 years since law school. Uh, we have nine lawyers here and most of our work is family law, divorce, child custody, uh, you know, really intense challenges that people go through. Uh, and I, I really have, um, it's, it's something I really love to do. And luckily I found success in.
0: Yeah. Wow. So what made you in the first place though, wanted to get into that? Like what, what made you want to be a lawyer?
1: So, um, you know, almost uh, 25 years ago when I started, more than 25 years ago that I've been a lawyer, but when I started law school, I was already a mother. I married young, my husband and I married young. And um, when I went to law school, I was a little bit more uh, introverted in those days. I really was always drawn to reading and writing, which are necessary skills for a lawyer. And I saw myself more as someone who would do research and writing, wasn't really sure where I would land, but uh, I immediately was drawn to family law in, in law school uh, because I already was in the, is in the trenches as a mom. And uh, I had a, an amazing opportunity when I was a second year law student to work part-time in a family law firm right by my house. So I'm talking a five minute commute, uh, a wonderful uh, boss who was very understanding and I would run back and forth and do the mom thing and work in the law firm. And when I graduated, um, I became a full-time associate very much drawn into family law issues. Um, and this was uh, 25 years ago, a time where mothers absolutely had the upper hand in family law. Uh, children were very much their domain and uh, women and children were very much protected. And it was expected that fathers would have, have somewhat of a role in parenting, but not much. They were the breadwinners. They would go out and bring home the money. And when the marriage fell apart, uh, the laws in place were, were somewhat old fashioned. So you fast forward now, uh, 25 years later, uh, I'm with the same exact firm. My, my, my boss then is now my partner. We have an amazing practice here. And as I mentioned, my coworkers are like my second family. Uh, and, and the law has changed dramatically. So in New York and all over the country, uh, women are very much earners. Uh, you know, Probably a third of the women that walk into my office are earning the same as their spouses or even more. And fathers uh, are very much active parents. They are co-parenting. They are picking up and dropping off their children. They're changing diapers. They're very involved in coaching and homework and all kinds of things. And so, I've really seen uh, the culture change. The laws change. It's really, really very interesting.
0: That's that is interesting because I um I I can relate with this because my dad was divorced tw- twice. So. First, it was from my mom, and then second, from a lady with four kids, which is an absolute nightmare. So oh, I went through a, like an absolute nightmare situation where she would play the system so much, and I it's hearing that, and then just where where I want to know is how, and obviously, can I'm in Canada, so the states is going to be different, but generally, it's the same, you know, yeah. idea. You know, how has it changed as far as, you know. In what sense has it really changed? Like you can notice in, in like divorce for for spe- specifically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's changed because women are no longer seen as vulnerable, protected, uh, you know, individuals that need to be given uh, dependency status until their children are grown up. The laws are actually much, much Harsher towards women these days, especially women that stay home. The laws are, are really gender neutral in New York and in Canada and throughout the world. And women are seen as capable, which is a great thing. I'm very much an advocate of women's rights, but I do see some outcomes where women are blindsided because they expect to get all of the money and all the support and half the assets and everything else. And that is not happening anymore. Uh, And and I know the laws are pretty consistent throughout the Western world where uh, it it used to be that, um, you know, women would get 50 percent of, for example, their husband's medical practice or 50 percent of assets uh, that really were earned more by one party than the other. And the laws have changed dramatically. So in New York a a few years ago, they changed the law so that a doctor uh, who obtains his license during the marriage or or, or opens a practice, he doesn't have to share. The value of his license with his wife anymore. Uh, and she might only get five or 10% of the value of his medical practice unless she was very involved in it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the laws are much, much fairer. And uh, I'm not sure what was going on with your father's situation. I mean, if these four children were not his children, he really shouldn't have the obligation to support them. But, you know, it is true that women that are staying home taking care of children don't have the same income earning. Uh, Capabilities and so they are going to get some support, but the, the duration of the support is much shorter, and uh, women are getting the message in courtrooms throughout uh, America, and I'm sure it can't be that different in Canada that they have to really think of the plan B, what happens happens if their marriage falls apart, if the relationship falls apart, they have to go out and, and earn for themselves, and in a way it's kind of a backhanded compliment to women they have to go out and earn and and yeah. that's the mess- that's really the message
0: yeah it's um that's i mean i think that's great and i guess there's just so many old outdated laws and everything that were just going on for so long right yeah and yeah do you notice that now that technology has really just blasted off like within the last you know 10-15 years especially yeah. with social media and all this stuff oh, happening yeah. has that completely I- transformed how you've had to go about your day like as a lawyer?
1: Oh there's, oh, there's no question. I would say the most dramatic change has been within the past five years. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like things are moving so quickly. Um, social media, for sure, has transformed uh, divorce matters because now there's evidence everywhere of bad parenting decisions and you know, uh, things that go on. It's much easier to find evidence than it used to be. Uh, and client expectations are different. My clients expect to hear from me very quickly if they have a problem. They want to hear from their lawyer instantly. Uh, they expect to reach me at night and on weekends. And I am a little bit accommodating sometimes because um, I understand the need to hear from your lawyer if you're in distress. And uh, you know, I get paid very well for these types of services. Clients' expectations are, are higher than before. And, and truthfully, you know, if you're not hearing from your lawyer and you're in an emergency situation uh, at home and the police are about to come to the door, You need to hear from your lawyer. And if your lawyer is not going to respond, you're going to find another lawyer. Yeah, technology has also changed parenting. Uh, You know, it's easier I think for parents to stay in touch with their children, to know where they are, uh, to uh, go to work and feel like they can reach their children if they need to, or their children can reach them. Uh, And then there's the whole thing with video games. I'm not sure how it's in, in Canada, but I have a 15 year old son at home. Uh, his, his, uh, growing addiction to video games is definitely a concern of mine. And I think a lot of parents share the same concern.
0: Yeah. It's a different world now, you know, I mean, I'm 36, so I got to experience that entire change from, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't even have a computer until I was in grade 12. Right? Yeah. So, so now the kids now don't even have that, like, you know, when you talk about the social media detox or turning it off, it's like, they don't know that, that other side of it.
1: No, no, they don't. I mean, I've run, I've seen as a parent because I'm, I'm older and I have a 28 year old. It really, it's not a cliche. I mean, my son, when he, my older son, when he was, you know, a younger teen, he would be outside. He would be with friends. He would ride his bike. He was much more active. And now I see my 15 year old is a very different uh, set of uh, just social activity with his friends. A lot of it is online. A lot of it is video games. Uh, they're not outside as much as they used to be. Um, and I remember even five or 10 years ago, there was this whole movement in parenting that we need to be limiting our children's time on the computer and maybe could try to get them to do other things. And now most experts acknowledge that, that is, that's not realistic. Mm. Most experts acknowledge that we are all very uh, aligned with our cell phones, our smartphones. I'm guilty of it too. It's a challenge for me to put my phone away uh, and really engage with my family during dinner or during a meal. It is very much a challenge, and we can't expect our children to do things that we ourselves are not doing. Uh, Yes, uh, we should put the phones away. I mean, marriages and relationships also suffer if. If those human connections are not there, if that intimacy is not there in the bedroom or out of the bedroom, you need to put the phone away and focus on real human connections. But it is a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us, for children all the way through adults. And um, uh, I wonder really uh, how this is going to affect us five, 10 years from now, when probably these addictions are even going to get stronger. Yeah, um, and
0: I, yeah, it's it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a crazy thought because I'm just thinking about your career as a lawyer so you're always you got like the expectations of people must just be so like they must expect to be able to get you all the time and it's just not it's just not fair like from a from a human being perspective it's like you got to be able to like disconnect but then but then i also understand that it's like well hey i'm paying you a lot of money i need to connect with you but at the same time it makes me wonder like how did we do it before You know, what did we just say? I I always
1: think that. (laughs) I think the same thing. How was it uh, in the days before you could really reach people almost instantly and have that expectation? I I think probably in certain ways it was easier. I have to say for family law, uh, you know, not everyone can do it. I I know a lot of people that would never, ever touch a divorce case. It's just the last thing they want to do. I do have a background in psychology. I've always had a high tolerance with problem solving and listening and, and helping people make decisions. And um, that's probably why I've been successful at this career and why maybe some other divorce lawyers really don't get um, the referrals or enjoy the practice as much as my firm does. You have to be willing to get involved in very messy situations. Um, ultimately, family lawyers see a lot of wonderful people at their worst that are really uh, prone to some very negative and destructive impulses and you have to be willing to almost be like a, a family member in the sense that you're cautioning people not to make mistakes, not to lose uh, relationships with their children, not to make destructive financial uh, mistakes. And, and every family law dispute, really there's almost like a bell curve. You know, it's like it's very intense in the beginning. Um, and then it kind, of, it kind of calms down. Most cases do reach a point where it's really about the money. It's really about a financial negotiation. The beginning of the case is a lot of drama, there's an infidelity, there's a breakup, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, some messy situations. But most cases, especially if there's professionals involved, and I include mental health professionals, uh, they're a necessary part of the picture. Mm. Uh, You know, it's a matter of getting used to the new status quo, the new normal. Most people, most healthy people reach that point where they understand what's going on. They find some measure of of acceptance and then they move forward to their future. And I, I really do think a lot of people find happier futures after the breakup. It takes a while, but they, but they get there. And, uh, you know, it's only one really bad chapter. Generally, there are happier chapters ahead.
0: Yeah. What would you say would be now the biggest factor in in these divorces or families breaking up? And has it always been the same? Or do you notice more specific areas where it's like, whoa, this is sure happening a lot? Is there anything specific that stands out?
1: I I think probably the biggest trend in, in why divorces are happening, and this is borne out by statistics, is that women are filing for divorce more than ever before. Probably 80% of divorces are initiated by women in New York. And a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that women have more economic uh, confidence. They are, they're working. Um, they don't wanna stay in a bad relationship. Divorce has lost its stigma. It's more common um, and it's for different reasons. Uh, and so uh, the divorce rate was as high as maybe 60% after the 60s, the 70s and 80s, when it was really like a crisis where everyone was getting divorced. Then it tapered down again and now it's ramping up again. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's no-fault divorce. You don't really have to say anything negative about a spouse to get a divorce anymore. There's trends going on with so-called gray divorce where seniors are getting divorced. Uh, you know, People in their 70s and 80s are getting divorced. It has to do with either Viagra or you know infidelity or uh, lots of reasons. I mean, it's, it's less of a stigma. Than it used to be uh, in, in the, when it was really reached its peak, when divorce was really associated with broken families and you know lower socioeconomics. It's not viewed that way anymore. It's more accepted, mm-hmm. and um, you know whether it's for the best or not. I mean, I really do believe my own values and traditions. Really, uh, I really do tell people it should be a last resort, especially if you have young children. There are many ways to improve marriages and relationships, or at least to slow down this decision to, to get divorced. And I think most couples that will go into mental health counseling or speak with their rabbi or their pastor or even their friends, they can, they can dial it back a little bit and, and maybe make changes to the relationship and avoid divorce if they want to. Uh, and if they don't, at least having a mediator or a mental health professional can help make the decision less contentious and less ugly and, and more of a shared decision, which is almost always a better outcome. If the parents can agree together, let's, let's uh, you know, our marriage isn't doing well, our relationship perhaps doesn't have a future, let's discuss how to get out of this in a way that's, res- you know, respectful of both of us. Mm. You'll almost always have a better outcome and, and a chance to keep the case out of court, which is something I, I always recommend. Uh, it's better to keep these cases out of court. Uh, it, is, it is amazing how much money that can be made uh, on a case in court. Uh, and a lot of divorce lawyers, that's exactly where they want to push the case. They want to go to court. That's where the money is. And I'll be honest enough to admit that. Our cases that are in court, uh, we make a lot more money. But I get a lot fewer referrals from those cases. I get more referrals from the cases that stay out of court because clients understand that I'm really trying for their own sake uh, Mm. to try to ratchet down the animosity and focus on agreeing on things. And most people, you know, uh, they want to get out of it. They just need to be told how and shown the way. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so true and very interesting. Would you would you say that it usually comes down to just a lack of communication? Because people just, I find in any relationship, it always ends up being communication.
1: Yeah, communication is one of the first things to go when people yeah. have mon- money issues, or there's maybe an infidelity or some sort of misunderstanding. Communication, uh, you know, um, intimacy in the bedroom. These things start to break down, and once you start to have a marriage where that communication and that connection is not there, it really is, a, is a, going to set the stage for a breakup. And so one party or both parties have to really try to make that connection, make that communication happen, uh, or mutually decide that it, they're not going to. Uh, just going back to what you said, one of the trends that I see, I really do see online dating these apps uh, that are just proliferating all over and, and Facebook just announced they're going to have a dating app.
0: Oh, geez. It
1: just creates these opportunities that never existed before. It is just so easy to flip through a thousand pictures, see your old classmates, old coworkers, hook up, uh, you know, let's go for a drink or even just mentally, uh, you know, go into this fantasy of leaving your marriage and entering another relationship. Even if it's just a virtual thing and never really goes into real life. It's just those opportunities are there. Uh, It it creates risks in in relationships when people go down that road because suddenly the grass is greener on the other side and this is just human nature. You know, it's just uh, these apps create opportunities. That's really what it is.
0: Yeah, we're just ultimate consumers. It's like people just become another thing to consume. It's like you can just buy anything now on Amazon and get it in seconds. And now it's like humans like... Going through these humans and ne- next, exactly. next, next. It's crazy when you think about right.
1: it. Right. It's the endless options and yeah. it's the instantaneous the instantaneous gratification, Yeah, which we never, we never had these before. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, if you wanted to, uh, you know, look for what's out there, you were going to go to a bar. You were going to go face to face. You were going to really extend yourself financially, uh, you know, really make time for it. Now, I mean, you could be sitting on your lunch break. And just on an app or on Facebook or checking out people's pictures. And, and it's just, it seems harmless. It's very much a slippery slope. You're going to get in trouble if you go down that road. And, and people do. Yeah. That's what's going that, on. You
0: must see that a lot. Do you, see, yeah. do you see a lot of people kind of, do you see a decline in marriage in general these days?
1: But believe it or not. So, and I speak on this topic all the time. Um, the divorce rate is actually dropping because... Millennials are marrying later and choosing better. So the divorce rate is is very much in the 40s right now, the 40% bracket in the US. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's similar in Canada. So it's kind of gone down to less than 50%. Um, You know, don't forget a couple of decades ago, the average marriage rate was women would get married in their early 20s and men by their mid 20s. And, and now, the marriage rate is much older, and by much older, I mean very late 20s. Yeah. Um, and so, women that are marrying in their later 20s, or young people that are marrying in their later 20s, are marrying with, with some money, with some education, they have a little bit of dating, dating experience, uh, they're choosing better, and they're doing prenups, they're protecting their assets, they're much more uh, concerned about the risks of the divorce, because they grew up with divorce because the divorce rate was so, so high 20 or 30 years ago. And so the marriage rate is dropping. Uh, Rates of cohabitation are rising. People are choosing to live together and not get divorced. We also have gay marriage, so gay couples are getting married. Uh, So the marriage rate is is staying steady, probably dropped a little bit, and the divorce rate also is dropping, Mm. slightly.
0: Interesting. So did you, did you go through, did your family growing up, did you go through a divorce that did your parents no. know? Because usually it's kind of like whoever's gone through that wants to go into that specific area.
1: So I'll, I'll share a little bit about my, my parents are Middle Eastern immigrants from Iran and they came here in the, in the fifties and in the Middle Eastern community uh, and most Eastern communities, the divorce rate is quite low. It is such a stigma to get divorced. So I grew up in a community where there was a very, very low divorce rate. Um, Families stayed together no matter what, Uh, you know, and more of a traditional um, framework where the man was the earner and the wife always stayed home with large families, that sort of thing. So I didn't grow up with hardly any divorce at all. Mm -hmm. I was always interested in psychology. And if I wasn't a divorce attorney, I probably would end up um, in some form of psychology. I've always been, uh, I've always been uh, attracted to this concept of conflict and how to resolve them. Always been a little bit of a mediator, um, probably going back to my teen years. Um, so it's always kept my interest, always kept my interest. And uh, I, the divorce rate in my community uh, is creeping up a little bit, but it is still extremely low. And, and I could say the same of Indian cultures or Asian cultures. Uh, divorce rates are lower than what we see in Western cultures. But, it, you know, it's catching up. You know, these are things that you can't you can't change uh, the dynamics in relationships. Uh, women are gaining economic power. They are not staying in relationships uh, that are harmful or against their interests the way they used to a generation ago.
0: Because mm. a, a lot of people are, it, it's so tied together with religion and fear, right? They think that it's going to be bad if they, if they split up, is that usually the reason?
1: Yeah, a lot of it, uh, these are usually more religious communities, but it's mm. really more the stigma that yeah, the stigma, if you're divorced, yeah. if you're it's divorced- It's like you failed
0: or something, like that's what my grandparents used to think, stay together, you'd rather suffer for exactly. years than, than be that failure, like, that's the mindset, right? Well,
1: I mean, you know, if you're talking about a community where most of the women are not working, it really, uh, you know, uh, a stigma of a divorce is really gonna make you almost homeless. Like, where uh, are you gonna go? Yeah. Your family isn't gonna take you back, you know, there must be something wrong with you. Uh, Most women are not going to leave a situation that's going to put them in a worse situation. And that's why even women who were abused would stay. Uh, That's changing now. That's changing now. Women do have more education. There is less of a stigma. The stigma is going away. Mm. There is more of an understanding that, you know, you're leaving the marriage. Maybe you had a good reason. And then the whole Me Too movement, all of this, uh, What's going on now, there's more cultural acceptance of victims and willing to listen to them and, and less of, uh, you know, looking down on people that are leaving bad situations. The culture is starting to encourage people to do that. So mm. there's a healthy balance. You know, I, I do think that marriage is something worth saving. I really do think it's, it's a valuable institution. It is a stable structure to raise children. Sure. I, I definitely believe that. And if you have children, you shouldn't run out the door. The first time is a challenge. You should definitely work on it. Uh, but at some point if you need to leave, then that's what you're gonna do. Do it at least out of court if you can.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I think it's if you're gonna make that commitment, like at least give it a good try, you know. Don't just don't just run away, make it, you know, jump out of it because it's easy. Right. Because it's easier to do that. I mean it's part of the 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 challenge. And I, I just I respect people so much that have been able someone says I've been married for thirty years and I'm like, That's amazing. <laughs> like that is really amazing. It because- is amazing. For me that I didn't have that. My parents split up. They fought a lot. But like right. it would have been so nice to have two solid parents at home, you know? Yeah. You got to yeah. you know, the the kids that got to work. You got enough t- kids have got to go to school, dealing with peer pressure, you're dealing with all these emotions and
1: hormones, and then you got to worry about mom and dad fighting. It's like It's really true. But what I what I can say to that is first of all, the longer you're married, the more you sort of realize that uh, conflicts can be resolved and things will, get, will be okay again. And you have that long view. In, mm. in marriages that are shorter, you don't have that. You, you don't have that track record of resolving disputes. So sometimes people will impulsively decide to end the marriage and, and not really put the work in. Mm. Uh, but, but to your situation, if you're growing up in a household where there is a lot of conflict, that's not so great either. No. I mean, really, uh, there are a lot of marriages, and I would use, even use my own community as an example, where the divorce rate is low. But I, I'm not thinking that it's so great for some of these kids living in those houses where there is a fair amount of conflict. These kids are seeing conflict, they, this bad stuff going on, and yet the parents are deciding they'll never, ever get divorced. I don't know if that's a healthier outcome either, yeah. to be honest. I mean, there has to be some way out for some marriages that probably never had a good, good chance of making it. And ultimately, um, I don't know if you're dating or if you're looking to get married one day, there are many successful marriages or even relationships. It doesn't have to be a marriage from children of divorce because they know what to look for and they know how to protect themselves a little bit better. And and ultimately, every relationship is a risk. You know, you're, you kinda, yeah. you're just kind of going for it and hoping that it'll make it. You never really have a guarantee.
0: I, uh, I look back and I... I, I, I look back at when I was in my twenties and even 10 years ago and think about if I got married when I was that person, Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. like I'm 36, I'm finally, it's taken me so long to kind of actually, I don't want to be cliche and say discovered myself, but I've actually yeah. become like who I am now is so different than who I used to be. So I'm going right. to be more value to my partner right. now than I would have ever been before, you know? That's and I'm so grateful true. for that.
1: Yeah, I mean the psychological term is self actualization. You are a, yeah. you are reaching the point where you're you're your own person. And to be self actualized, yeah, that doesn't happen in your 20s. Generally that happens, you know, in your 30s or maybe even as part of a midlife situation like wait a minute, this is what I really want. I finally know what I want. And yeah, I mean that that is a very healthy thing to know yourself. You probably will choose better or make better decisions in a long-term relationship than you would have in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's true. And uh, I do speak a lot about midlife crisis or you know couples growing and changing together, and you know you have to have a couple that goes through crisis, whether it's an illness or a financial crisis or God forbid something with a child, they have to uh, ha- you know stand together in these times of crisis and not fall apart. and sometimes that means one parent is stronger than the other, uh, and they, or people take turns, you know one of them falls apart, and then a few years later the other one falls apart. Marriages, uh, you know, you, you don't, you don't give up just because it's a challenge. Mm. Uh, and, but I don't want to judge anyone. I, really, it's, it's not my place to judge anyone. I do encourage people that there are professionals out there that can help um, a couple get through hard times, help individuals that are maybe a little bit uh, going through an emotional or even a psychological crisis. Get help. You know, it's out there. Uh, don't run to a lawyer first. Uh, you know, you should really see what you can do to strengthen yourself. Uh, and then strengthen the relationship. Because um, sometimes that does work. I've seen it work. Mm.
0: Is, there, is there anything that in your years of practicing, like within your belief system, the way you look at life has shifted or changed that from when you're like fresh out of school, like this is the way it, it is. Obviously the change in how things are done and the laws have changed, but you personally, there's, has there been any specific things to your belief system or have yeah. you kind of just stayed the same way or nothing really? I yeah.
1: I mean, probably um, when I think about what you just asked the most, it's most in the context of parenting. Because now, you know, as I mentioned, I have four children. Two of them are in their 20s. They're establishing their own careers. And I think back to when I was 20. Uh, that's when I started law school. And I became a mom right away and went to school. Uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough to make it in a career. Uh, it does take adversity. So going back to your the name of your podcast, And character really comes from overcoming adversity. And nothing valuable comes easily. Uh, And that's the same for a marriage. It's the same for a career. Uh, You have to put in the time. And and your strength really comes from those moments when you're just completely wiped out and knocked down by the challenges. And and just getting up again and saying, well, I'm going to keep going. Um, That's where character and strength and career success... Uh, and success in relationships comes from, it's just really going the distance mm. and, and not uh, letting small setbacks uh, knock you down. And if you are knocked down, you know, get up again. Uh, you, you have to really be willing to try again uh, in, in almost any context. Uh, did I know that at age 20? I, I definitely didn't. I didn't know it. Uh, I think I was fortunate in my own marriage. I was fortunate that I fell into a career that I really liked. But I look back now over a course of a 25, 30 year academic and professional career, I've, I've put in the time. I mean, I, I really didn't take a lot of breaks. I really put my nose to the grindstone and I worked at it. And this is something I'm constantly discussing with my children that, you know, you end up with the career you deserve. You end up with the grades you deserve. You have to work at it, mm. you know, and nothing comes that easily uh and and the hard work in my view being a child of immigrants it's worth it it's it putting in the time uh putting in the effort for sure the rewards they, they, the rewards will be there too
0: what about what about your okay so you're a successful lawyer like what does your daily routine look like like how do you get primed up for a day of you know i mean you it's very emotional it's very it's long you know yeah. do you have a special routine or you know how do you balance how do you stay balanced
1: Uh, You know, I seek, uh, and I'm getting better at this because I used to describe myself a little bit more of maybe even a workaholic type. I I seek balance by really making sure that I block out time. I'll take a look at my week. I'll take a look at my day. And I'm blocking out chunks of time to um, take a break, you know, go for lunch, see friends, uh, connect with other things outside of of just work. And and that definitely helps. Uh, I've taken up meditation. I meditate every single day. I definitely am a journal writer. I will mm-hmm. write things that bother me or, or goals that I have. I'm, I'm a writer. That is definitely a release. Um, but I, probably the biggest factor to my individual situation is, is I'm in a very good work environment. As, as acrimonious as my, the cases I handle are, and some of them are really nasty, the ones in court or some, some of the opposing counsel or judges, they're really hard to deal with. The clients, I always excuse them because they're my clients. They're going through a hard time. They're paying me very well. I'm not going to blame them uh, so much for what goes on. Uh, I'm, I'm there to help them. But my work environment, my coworkers, this is very much a comfortable place for me. And uh, there's very little drama or stress in this office. Which, uh, and, and so this is something I'm always telling my children, that when you're going for jobs and different opportunities, yeah, obviously it's nice to make money or, or to work in a fancy place. But the culture of a firm, the culture of a work environment, Uh, or working on your own or from home or however you choose, that is going to be a big uh, factor in whether you can have the staying power in your career. You have to like the people you work with because otherwise I know plenty of lawyers that are wonderful and brilliant even, um, but they burn out because because of the stress. It is a stressful practice. Mm. So you have to learn all of those tips in how to reduce stress, how to be mindful, you know, how to, um, seek out opportunities to sort of lower the temperature and lower the noise and and really just um, replenish yourself. Uh, So right now we're speaking on a Friday afternoon. I am very much looking forward to this weekend. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend in New York. And I'm looking forward to just chilling out, uh, staying home, um, really, really taking some time for myself, my husband, my children. Um, It's so important. It's so important to have downtime. And by Monday morning I will be fired up and and ready to, you know, take on the week again. And I always say the weekends come just in time, you know, just in time when I need that break. Yeah. There it is. And that served me well.
0: That's awesome. Where, is there anything that we that you're working on that's going to be in the next few months or where's the best place for everybody to find you?
1: Um, so, um, I'm involved in a lot of things. Anyone who wants to find out what's going on with me can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Uh, My website is lawjaw.com, L-A-W-J-A-W.com. Has a ton of information about my firm, about family law in general. We have a lot of resources on there and links. Uh, Myself, I'm working on a number of things that I'm very excited about. I do a lot of writing uh, on legal topics. And so the next couple of things I'm working on, which will keep, part of also legal education for lawyers and judges. Uh, It's called CLE. I do continuing legal education and the topics I'm working on are uh, fertility and reproductive rights, uh, cyber harassment uh, and orders of protection related to that in family court matters uh, and also intellectual property and how those are treated in divorce. So that's a little bit more of a complex asset, uh, patents and royalties and and different types of high value assets, how those are dealt with uh, in court. So I'll be writing about those. I'll be published on those topics in the next few months, and I'll be doing trainings um, at my bar association and other places um, just to educate other lawyers about them. So these are things that I really enjoy doing. They're sort of cutting edge topics in family law. Uh, I find it very, very interesting. Um, So Lance, I'm basically a nerd at heart, and I, I found a career that lets me nerd out and read and write and do things that I really like.
0: You know, I, it's so nice to hear that because sometimes people, when they talk about their careers, it's like they work so hard and then you, you, you wonder if they even like what they do and you're like, well, why are you doing it? But you can tell that you actually enjoy it and it's not even like work to you. It's just like what you do and you get paid for it. It's like, it's
1: so true. I mean, it's so true. I, 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 and this is another thing that when you're in a career a long time, when you find that your work is meaningful and I definitely do, I find my work helps people I am in a helping profession uh, i wouldn 't put myself in the category of a doctor or a nurse. I mean they're, God bless them. they save lives, but I really do think I provide a very meaningful service I, I really want to help people and when you when you really feel that, the, the clients find you uh, and people know that that I really care I really do I mean I love to make a nice living and I certainly do, but I really care uh, to give clients the best advice I can, put them on a path towards a peaceful life after divorce. They still need to interact with their spouse Mm -hmm. after the case is over. I don't want them to hate each other. I would like them to co-parent. And I feel it's a responsibility to teach people that. Uh, Yeah, and I really do love what I do, mostly because I find it very meaningful. It's not just about uh, making a lot of money. It's about doing good work, and hopefully all of us will be able to find that in their Uh careers.
0: Oh, that's great. I, I, uh, I got a lot out of this. This was, this Good. was a great conversation. This was, awesome. Uh, I, uh, there's always one question I ask and you've kind of touched on it, but I just specifically always ask it. And what is one lesson that adversity has taught you specifically?
1: I think adversity, um, has taught me that, uh, no matter how low things seem at the moment, uh, it will pass it's only temporary, and if you can just remember that, even during the toughest times, even the most negative chapter, uh, hold on to the to the knowledge and the certainty that it will pass. You will get through it, and uh, you will have a brighter day ahead if you can just remember that.
0: Awesome. Well said. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Thank you. All, all right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and, and chatting. This was such a, such a great topic and you know, don't talk about it very often. And I'm just so blessed that I get to have these kind of conversations and with someone like you, that's such a professional in this area and to be able to touch on these subjects that you never get to talk to normally and talk about normally. So thank you.
1: It's tough. My pleasure. It is tough to talk about hard things, you know, but it is very necessary and I enjoyed the conversation so much. Lance, thank you very, very much. Uh,
0: It's an an absolute pleasure. We're going to have all the information in the show notes for for everybody to come check you out. And yeah, thank you again. Enjoy your beautiful weekend in New York. Wonderful.
1: wonderful, You too. uh,
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I had recording it. I learned a lot from Jackie to hear the different things about the law system and um, yeah, just to kind of connect with her and kind of peel back the curtain of what it's like to be a, a lawyer in New York City. So support her go check her out find out all the information you need are in the show notes and as always subscribe leave us a review I appreciate you guys have an amazing day we'll catch you next time you just finished another class at the University of Adversity don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs